Are you waiting for just average part 2? This is Malati Jayakumar from Kovai Vani Storytime to ease the suspense for you. At the end of part 1, we saw that Shashikala was delayed at work on of all days Friday the 13th and she was trying to catch a train back home. Now let's see what happens next. She missed her usual train back home. could not get into the ladies compartment but managed to enter a fairly crowded one next to that there was no place to sit but rather surprisingly one young man stood up and offered her his seat and she did not refuse it was not often that men gallantly give up their seats these days within minutes she had her nose buried in her book and the rest of the world receded into the background She was vaguely aware of shuffling feet and rustling of clothes, people getting off and on, and a general thinning of the crowd. At Bandra, four young men got into the station, talking loudly and laughing even more loudly. Sashi looked up from her book briefly. All the four boys were dressed in cheap jeans and garish t-shirts. Three of them had unkempt hair and stubble or a beard. The fourth had a crew-cut, thin, sharp features and had earrings in addition to a variety of rings and chains. With a sigh, Sashi went back to her book with a silent prayer of gratitude that her son was not like them. She hoped that they would not be too disruptive because she was at an interesting part of the story. The hero and the heroine were in the middle of a wordy duel, repartees and reposts flying thick and fast with a lot of sarcasm and humor and any moment the argument could end in a passionate embrace however that was not to be much to her frustration the body jokes and laughter of the boys spoiled all the charm of the story she tried to ignore it but the mutterings of disgust from the old man next to her made her look up again The boys were now standing near two fairly well-dressed young girls seated on the right. One of them looked like an Anglo-Indian and wore a short skirt, while the other was in a salwar and a short kurti. The boys made exaggerated lurching movements as the train gathered speed or slowed down, pretending to lose their balance and falling all over them. Jokes, comments and snatches of Hindi film songs seemed to provide them great amusement. 
The girls tried to draw away and huddle closer together. The one wearing a mini skirt tried to cover her legs with a bag. They turned towards the window, pretending to ignore the boys. But Shashi could see the fear on their faces. At the next station, many people got off. One of the boys sat down, pushing himself against the girls. Sashi kept her book up protectively, wanting to blot out what was happening in front of her. Suddenly, the elderly man on her left stood up and moved towards the boys, shouting in anger. Just as suddenly, the boy with the crew cut took a swipe at the old man and sent him reeling back. He fell with his back, smashing against a seat, and a couple of people helped him off the floor and made him sit up. The boy's ring had cut a thin red streak on his cheek that slowly welled up with blood and was breathing in short gasps. There were now only 15 commuters scattered around the compartment. One of them was a thin, bespectacled teenager who seemed highly agitated while his mother next to him held his arm, restraining him from doing anything foolhardy. Some of the people in the compartment spoke to each other in undertones, while others tried to look away, as if they could not see or hear anything. Sashi had lost all interest in her book now, though she still held it open in her hand. She felt as helpless and as ashamed as all the rest around her afraid to get involved. The boy sitting next to the girls stretched out his arm behind them and let his fingers caress the back of the girl next to the window. Cornered and with a spurt of anger, the girl turned around and slapped his hand. This made them laugh even more. Meanwhile, another boy put his hand on the girl's knee his dark hand a striking contrast against the fair skin. The thin, bespectacled boy could bear it no longer. He broke free from his mother's grasp and lunged forward, his hands punching and hitting wildly. Two of the thugs now turned their attention on the teenager. They pummeled him and kicked him, while the mother looked on helplessly. She cried and implored, but none of the passengers moved. There was a flash of steel and a sharp penknife ripped the teenager's shirt, which was soon stained red by the cut underneath. Now no one dared to move or speak. The wounded boy grew pale with fright and shock, and his mother was almost on the verge of collapse. She got up and staggered to his side, tearing a part of her sari to stem the flow of blood. Two of the four boys looked slightly chastened and wanted to move away, but the other two shouted them down. A heated argument between the four ended in the crew-cut leader yanking the boy sitting next to the girls. He punched him in the stomach and pushed him across to the other end. He sat down next to the girls himself, and his thin dark fingers with flashy rings played with her hair. Just at that moment, the girl looked straight into Sashi's eyes. The pleading look and the direct eye-on contact hit Sashi like a body blow. 
The eyes were not that of a stranger. It was like looking into her daughter's eyes or Minnie's eyes. Sashi tried to look away but found it impossible to move her gaze from the girl's face. Although it lasted for perhaps only some seconds, it seemed like a long time to Sashi. Something snapped within her and before she even realized it, Sashi had leapt to her feet. In the same movement, she snatched the big black umbrella from the hands of the man to her right. When had she noticed the umbrella and what was she going to do with it? She quickly stretched out and put the curved hook-like end around the crew-cut boy's neck and pulled hard with all her might. At the same time, she let out a clarion call. Get up, everyone! Attack them! Uto! Uto! Maro! 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 The crooked boy was gagging as the hooked end of the umbrella cut into his throat and he lost his balance. Momentarily, the thugs were taken by surprise. The small, mousy woman was the last person they had expected to strike back. Galvanized by her call, the people in the compartment all rose as one. Anything that they had in hand was turned into a weapon. Handbags, lunch boxes, water bottles were swung by the handle. Briefcase landed squarely and heavily on the crew-cut head. A few other satchels, shopping bags and umbrellas rained blows on the four hooligans who tried to fight back. Some passengers got bruised. One got a blow on the eye and another had a cut lip. Disabled hair, shirts half pulled out of pants, broken or lost spectacles did not dim the feelings of unrestrained energy and courage. In the face of this combined wrath, the boys cowered. One of them was dazed, having been hit on the head many times. Two sat on the floor nursing their wounds. By this time, they were near Grant Road Station, and as the train slowed down, one of the boys managed to slip out, jump out, and escape. Sashi's hair had become undone. Her dupatta was on the floor and badly trampled upon. She had a bruise near her jaw and a small gash on her forearm. She was acknowledged the heroine of the day and many said if not for her initiative, they would not have had the courage to move together. There was a general air of celebration and the helplessness was replaced by a sense of satisfaction and camaraderie. Meanwhile, the thin, bespectacled boy who had been hurt earlier had called the police and an ambulance on his cell phone. So by the time the train pulled into Churchgate, the platform was teeming with police, journalists and a TV crew that had been in the vicinity. The police took down the names and numbers and cameras kept flashing on and off. Sashi was suddenly very tired and all she wanted to do was get away from everything and everyone. But she was hemmed in by people on all sides with questions flowing from every direction. Her legs felt like jelly. When she tried to walk away, a strong light impaled her and as she stood frozen to the spot, a reporter pushed a microphone in front of her face and asked, What does it feel like to be a hero, ma'am? Have you always been a leader and a fighter? 
Sashi blinked through her spectacles with a slightly askew. The glare of the light blinded her, and all she wanted to do was go home. She swallowed a lump in her throat. No, I'm I'm not I'm not a leader or a fighter. She spluttered. I, I'm 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 just an average person, she said, blinking away the tears that threatened to flow. Hello, listeners. So, how did you like that? I'm sure you have witnessed such moments in your life sometime. It could be the heroism at the sight of an earthquake or a fire or a simple act of sheltering a person in a riot. We read about it in the papers so many times. But after that one glorious moment, the person disappears among the mass of nameless, faceless people, never to be seen again. But they usually remembered at least by some people who benefited from the spontaneous act of courage i hope you all enjoyed the story please send your views about the story or about any of our other podcasts at our email id kovaiwani@kovaicare.in repeat it is kovaiwani one word at kovaicare also one word dot in that is it my friends the next story is called the awakening and it is bound to keep you awake thinking about life so by till next time the valayuli anubhav desiya samuha padugappa nirvanam samuha neethi mattrum adhigaram alithal amaichagam mattrum media for community foundation ivargalin kootu muyarchiyaga ungalidam kondu varappattathu titta orungineppalargal டாக்டர் ஆர் ஸ்ரீதர் மற்றும் ஆலோக் வர்மா அவர்கள் வானொலி ஒருங்கிணைப்பாளர்கள் பூஜா முராடா கௌசல்யா மற்றும் சாய் சுதா அவர்கள் தயாரிப்பாளர்கள் கோவை பாணி கோவை கேர் ரிட்டையர்மெண்ட் கம்யூனிட்டிஸ் நீங்கள் ஒரு மூத்த குடிமகனாக இருந்து உதவி தேவைப்பட்டால் எங்கள் எல்டர்லைன் ஹெல்ப் லைனை தொலைபேசி எண் ஒன்று நான்கு ஐந்து ஆறு ஏழில் தொடர்பு கொள்ளவும் காலை எட்டு மணி முதல் இரவு எட்டு மணி வரை ஒரு சிறந்த வாழ்க்கையை வாழ உங்களுக்கு உதவி செய்ய நாங்கள் உறுதி அளிக்கிறோம் மறுபடியும் கேளுங்கள் தொலைபேசி எண் ஒன்று நான்கு ஐந்து ஆறு ஏழு காலை எட்டு மணி முதல் இரவு எட்டு மணி வரை Observe proper hygiene. We must win. We will win. Thank you.